1: Welcome, everyone, to this story box. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into this story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends welcome back to another episode of the Storybox podcast today i have the mindset mentor himself rob dial on the story box now for those of you that don't know who he is i guarantee you if you search up his name he won't be hard to find because he has a very very popular podcast called the mindset mentor and he is someone that i have followed for quite some time now and have wanted to speak to myself and get to unbox his story and trust me he did not disappoint. So for those of you that actually don't know who he is, I'll read out his bio for you. Or his, I'll tell you a little bit about his story and then we can dive into the story box, okay? But Rob's purpose in life is to help release people from mental suffering. All too often that suffering is a mental barrier that we unconsciously place in front of ourselves that holds us back from the life that we have been dreaming of. Over the past 13 years, Rob has spoken across the world To over 50,000 people, whether it's through speaking or coaching, Uh, when he sees someone making massive changes in his life, he falls even more in love with what he does, which is helping people once again to release themselves from mental suffering. Where it all began for Rob, he was born and raised by an amazing mother and father who struggled with alcohol addiction. As a child, he struggled a lot with his own self-worth and limiting beliefs His passion for speaking came at a very young age when he was 15 years old. His father passed away from his long time battle. He remembers thinking that uh, he never wanted someone to have to go through what he had to go through. So he went to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and asked if he could do speaking at, at those meetings and wanted to help people in that room understand how their alcoholism affects not only them but their loved ones as well. To his surprise, uh, he was rejected as a speaker from all of them because they only allow those battling with addiction in the meetings. Then he turned his focus elsewhere. So Rob decided to turn his attention elsewhere. So if he couldn't help the people that were in those meetings, then the question came up, how can I or how can Rob really help others battle their own problems, whether that is addiction to food, work, negative self-talk or toxic relationships? So how did he get started in this line of work? It started at the age of 19 in sales, and he that's where he discovered personal growth. He became obsessed with it. Uh, he quickly moved up a particular company. and uh, By the age of 24, he owned and operated a multi-million dollar office, and he trained over 2,000 sales reps. Throughout that time, he taught himself personal development and psychology uh, to his sales reps and how it, it impacted their lives as well. Fast forward now many, many years. In 2015, he decided to take his knowledge to the masses and that's where he started his podcast, the Mindset Motivational Podcast, which hit uh, number one on iTunes in six categories and accumulated over one million downloads in the first 12 months. Now, January 2017, he decided to take his teachings to Facebook and the rest is pretty much history. Since then, he has accumulated over 1.5 million followers and has had over 1 billion views on Facebook alone. Just This is just the beginning for Rob. His main life's mission is to impact 1 billion souls on this planet and he would love to help you as well. I guarantee you, my friends, this is going to be a great conversation. I can't speak highly enough of Rob and his message but we go deep in this one we're going to talk about addiction in here we're going to talk about purpose we're going to talk about negative self-talk how we can overcome that and so much more so please if you do get something from it share it around to your friends and your family let them know uh, you can watch the full episode on youtube as well links are all in the show notes don't forget before you leave to subscribe and follow us on social media as well let rob know what you think by tagging him in instagram just take a photo of it and you know i spread the word around it's it's love you know <laughs> i love the community i uh, really appreciate it guys so so with that all being said my friends you know what time it is it is time to dive into the story box and hear the story of the mindset mentor himself rob dial <clears throat> thanks man thanks for having me i appreciate it dude i can't believe i got the mindset mentor on my actual show like <laughs> it's so cool <laughs> uh, I'm i'm geeking out over here man but the the real pleasure is, is all mine. Um, huge fan of your show, by the way. And I know my audience are big fans. They always share episodes and I'm always like, come on. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, but dude, I I normally start off all my conversations with one particular question. Mm -hmm. And this question is what does success look like to you?
2: Um, Success to me, well, first off, I think success is different to everybody and people need to figure out what that means to them. But success to me is, is the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. So I think more than anything else is just ultimate freedom. That's what success is. Whether that's monetary for some people, it could be. Um, whether that's just more free time to hang out with their children and, and raise their children the way that they want them to. Um, or if it's just you know the time to have more time alone. But I think just ultimate freedom is not being able to, being able to do what you want, but then also just not having anyone that tells you what to do and you can live the life exactly the way that you want to. Mm. When
1: was the moment for you, man, that you sort of realized that this was exactly success? Has it been this gradual thing over, over over your life or was there more of a catalyst moment
2: somewhere? It's <sighs> a good question. Um, I've had some some kind of success moments over the past six months. Um, I uh, just moved into a house, which was like, kind of like a holy shit house. I just moved into this house. This is amazing. So that was, that was part of it where it's like, man, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't even have literally a bed, like, or a bedroom. You know, when I was a kid, I used to sleep on the couch um, and my sister had the room cause she was older. So we always lived in two bedroom houses when I was younger. My sister is six years older. So she always got the bedroom and, uh, and I always got the couch. And so I was like, wow, not only do I like have a room, but I've also got a house and The house I've always wanted in, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to hire really great people in my business, which allows me to not have to um, work as hard, I guess you could say, and to concentrate on just the things that I want to do. The only two things that I do in my business is coach people or create content. Anything that's not coaching or creating content is something that somebody else should be doing. So we've hired really great people to do those, whether it's social media, marketing, sales, video production, all of that stuff, it's all completely somebody else in my team at this point. Mm -hmm. And so the cool thing about that is that in order for me to make really great content, I've got to focus on growing myself as much as possible, considering what I do. So it doesn't feel like I'm working a lot of times when I'm working on myself and reading and diving into myself. But ultimately, the more that I, the better I get with knowing myself, the better I can then teach and coach people. And Mm -hmm. so for me, that's, You know, if you look at work, like actual work that I do, um, it might only be a couple hours a week, you know, it looks like. And so for me, it's, it's cool to see my business, you know, we basically five or six X last year. Um, and that's just because I had really great people that, that kind of helped get there and allowed me to concentrate in my, what I call my zone of genius. Mm,
1: I love it, man. Like, what do you personally do to grow your own mindset, to grow and personal development to basically level up in your day? What do you do?
2: Um, Well, my morning routine is about three hours long. So before, you know, I usually, it's about 5.30 to 8.30 is usually my morning routine before I ever turn my phone on, before I get any messages, any emails, any of that type of stuff. It's just concentrating on me. And then, you know, I'm really... The good thing about what I do is like, I'm obsessed with what I do. Like I love neurology, psychology, early childhood development. And so for me, I'm in the process of writing a book. And so more than anything else, what it is, is it's a lot of research on, okay, you know, I've got this one neurologist that I follow. He talks about this thing. Let me go ahead and figure out about this, this neuromodulator because I don't know what a neuromodulator is. And so it's literally like, it's almost like I'm putting myself through my own college and in, in going through these courses on my own to get better at it and to start making connections. But for me, it's like, I just spend hours researching things that are going to make my book better, that it's going to make my teaching better, that's going to make my coaching better, that's going to make, make me help help other people be better. And so for me, that's what it usually looks like where it's like the average person's not going to be interested in Googling and watching videos and taking courses on neuromodulators because who the hell wants to do that? But for me, I'm just a geek and I'm like, I want to know about this because the better that I understand the way the human brain works, the better I can understand why humans are the way that they are, which then in turn allows me to coach people better.
1: Where did your fascination revolving around psychology, especially the child one, where Mm -hmm. did that come about?
2: Um it came for me because because I wanted to figure out about what happened with my dad. So my dad was an alcoholic. He passed away when I was 15 years old from being an alcoholic and he had a lot of childhood traumas that he had that he never overcame and he never spoke about them but I knew about them. Uh my father uh and I had a conversation about, with my grandma about it but he walked into the room when he was 12 years old after his father shot himself and uh killed himself. He walked in and saw that. So for me i was always i it's interesting because up until recently they finally have discovered that almost every single addiction comes from some sort of childhood trauma right some a trauma that ha, even not even just childhood just trauma in general that hasn't been overcome and so i i was like that i thought that was always obvious because i knew that with my father like i knew that his addiction came from not overcoming his demons from his childhood and so for me when he passed away and when i realized like okay this is this is a guy I never once thought it was my fault, and never once thought it was my mom's fault. It was very obvious to me at a young age. Like he's got his own things that are his issues, and I was lucky. Where I always say I was lucky for the type of alcoholic father I had. Like he never yelled at me, he never beat me, he never touched me. Any of those things, he would just get drunk and fall asleep. Um, he would forget about me, which was which was the the neglect side of it. But for me, it was like I want to see how he became the way that he did, and for me, it just became interesting. And as I started researching it, I could start connecting the dots. And then as I started connecting the dots with him, then I went, Oh, I can connect the dots with me. And then I can start coaching. When I started coaching people, I could start to easily connect the dots with them. And Mm. so it just became something that I think over time, I got more and more interested in. And what's interesting is that the more that I learned, the better I got as a coach. Which then made me more obsessed with learning about it because then I became a better coach and I could see how it was affecting people that I was working with. And so for me, it's just slowly become an obsession. And I don't, I don't think there's anything more interesting in the world than humans. Like just there's a lot of really interesting things in this world, but the way humans work and why they work the way that they work, and being able to, you know, figure someone out quickly based off of things that have happened in their past, the way their parents treated them, or what happened to them when they were in school, all of that stuff. For me, man, like there's nothing more interesting than that.
1: There's some very, very fascinating people and case studies out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the most interesting people can be almost yourself. And if you have gone through trauma in the past and diving deep into that. Now I'm only 24 and Mm -hmm. I've had a wild journey, wild ride, tons of trauma, tons of pain, tons of anguish. And it was only till recently, like the last maybe year or two years, that I really dive into that and what that actually meant, and it's it's fascinating because I I connected those dots like from the age of six when I went through a, uh, some sexual abuse to later on in life you know all these traumatic experiences and it all made sense. I'm like, sure. but now I don't see myself as a victim, right? I see myself as a as a victor of that. Victor. <laughs> uh, and now I am able to help those people that are still struggling with knowing, I guess, their purpose because trauma really affects their worth and knowing who they are as, as a person. Like they get lost in many ways. I guess one of the questions that I, that I did have for you from that is you mentioned that your dad, um, he suffered traumatic experiences, which is absolutely insane to really think about having to see your own father shoot himself. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed, or have you researched like the sins of the forefathers, so to be it like all the trauma of the forefathers coming back to sort of make an, make an impact in your life, the present life?
2: Are you talking about like, is there a specific people that are called forefathers or are you talking about like people that came before me in my, in my lineage? your, your own personal lineage. Like for me, uh, my grandfather, for example, his, his
1: dad and all that sort of stuff, like my mom, for example, all their traumatic
2: paths coming back to sort of bite you in the butt. Yeah. 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 It's so for, for what happened with my, with my dad's dad um, was that he worked for Monsanto, which I'm not sure if you know Monsanto over where you are, but Monsanto is basically like the devil as far as you can. They're the company that's in charge of all the GMOs. They they do a bunch of crazy shitty stuff in the food industry so badly that they actually changed their name because they everybody knew how bad it was. So he actually worked for Monsanto when they were just starting to become this evil company. And uh, he actually developed stomach cancer from all of the chemicals that they were putting in all of the seeds and all of the, you know, the pesticides and all the stuff they were doing to the products that they were then putting out, you know, on the market for people to buy. So he developed stomach cancer from it. And in order to overcome the pain, he started drinking. And then, you know, he was a deacon in the church. He got kicked out of the church. Um, it got really bad. He became an alcoholic and ended up shooting himself, all of that stuff. So, you know, the thing that I've come to realize is it is none of that is my fault and none of it is my burden, but it is my obligation and my duty to make sure that I don't pass it on to the next generation for me. So, you know, whether or not they thought about it in that, that high of a regard, the way that I do, um, I see it as, you know, my grandfather's issues are not my issues. My dad's issues are not my issues. My issues are my issues. But my obligation is to make sure that I overcome whatever might've been passed on to me. You know, if you look at the the trauma that, that can travel in DNA, I am 50% my dad, 50% my mom on average, right? So if you look at that, you go, wow, if there was trauma, this trauma, you know, they're starting to figure out that their trauma can travel through DNA in different ways and it can change the DNA. So it's like, that is in me. So whatever it is, it's my job to, to work through. And I don't see myself, like you're saying, I don't see myself as a victim in any sort of way. Life is just, I was dealt these cards. This is what I have. And it's my job to work through it. Do I wish that, you know, my dad was still alive? Sure. That would be great. Do I wish that anything were to be different? No, honestly, I don't because I, what I do now and how fulfilled I am now with what I do and the not, lives that I impact come from my father and my grandfather's traumas. So mm-hmm. my job and my duty is to work with the cards that I've been dealt and to make the best of it. And that's really what I see is, is ultimately what it is. I can't change my cards. That's, I can't change my life in the way that it was, mm-hmm. what I've been dealt, but I can change the future and the present moment. And that's, that's really what I'm working at the most.
1: Now, all this for a lot of people is, I guess, easier said than actually done. For sure, um, this kind of mindset to actually have and and know that you you have been dealt these cards, but you're not a victim in the first place. What are some strategies that you would give to say a young person or even a middle-aged person right now, or just anyone really that is struggling with knowing? Their, I guess, their worth, their purpose, or they're dealing with a lot of traumas currently in their life.
2: Well, <clears throat> first off, trauma sucks. Like that's I won't I won't get around it and be like, hey, this is a beautiful thing. Cause when you're going through it, you don't want to go through it. After you get past it and you've worked through it, you're like, you know what? I wish it didn't work out that way, but I am grateful because it made me who I am. It's it's a mental gym, you know? Like the way that you go, you grow muscles in the gym is you've got to lift heavier weights. Trauma happens to be some of the heaviest of weights, mm. you know? And so I think that, that the main thing that has to be the first step is full acceptance. Like you can't get past something that you don't fully accept. This is my reality. This is what it is. And I always say that the amount of anxiety and stress and worry and fear and any of those bad, negative feelings that you're going to feel, is in direct proportion to the amount that you're resisting the way that the world is, right? My father passed away. I can be really pissed off and anxious and hate him and resent him or resent my mom for marrying him or what I can do all of that if I want to. And that's my prerogative if I really want to, but it's not going to change anything. You know, it's not going to make him come back to life. It's not going to change my relationship with him, any of that stuff. What is going to change is if I have full acceptance to this is what it is, this is the way that it is. And what most people don't want to do but i'm okay with doing is to take full blame for anything else outside of that like i'm i'm okay with going you know what besides you know my father passing away and all that stuff i will see everything as my fault and it can seem like a heavy burden for everything else to be my fault but for me i think it puts me into a place of power of going i can fully be 100% in control of everything only when I fully accept and say that it is within my control to change it, right? If I can't change something, I can't. But if I can change something, that is my job and my duty, my obligation to change it. So I think the first thing is is literally just, you have to fully accept, full acceptance that this is the way that is, and that's, that's that. The second thing is that going, hey, everything that, that is in my life is under my control, is my fault, and I need to change it from there. And you know, my very first mentor we worked together for two years and I don't remember anything else that he said. He said a bunch of really great stuff and changed my life. But one of the things the one thing that I remember is a conversation where he said, Hey, and I was, I was 19 years old. I was giving excuses. I was not waking up on time. I wasn't hitting my sales goals. I wasn't making the phone calls to get the sales, all of that stuff. And he goes, he goes, Hey, um, you know, if a business fails, whose fault is that? And I said, it's, it's the CEO's fault. He said, okay, if the business succeeds, whose fault is that? I was like, it's the CEO's fault. He goes, okay, so if you look at, if you get to the end of your life and you realize that it was the best life that you possibly could and you did everything that you possibly could, whose fault is that? And I was like, that's my fault. And he goes, okay. And if you get to the end of your life and you have a lot of regrets and you don't bring out your full potential, whose fault is that? And I was like, it's my fault. And he goes, okay, so... You're currently living your life as if you're not the CEO and you're blaming everything externally outside of you as the reason why you're not succeeding. The only way that your life is going to change is you have to act like you're the CEO of your life. And so the problem with you, Rob, is that you're not acting like the CEO of your life. When you do act like you are the CEO of your life, whether you succeed or whether you fail at the end of your life and you see your your life as a success or a failure will ultimately be your fault. And I was like, oh shit, Mm
1: -hmm. that
2: makes a lot of sense. And so from that moment on, it was just like, I went a completely different path in my life. Everything just shifted and went a completely different way. And um, and when you really take full blame for everything is when you can really fully take acceptance for everything that's about to happen in your life. And it sounds like you're putting yourself into a place that's, that's restrictive, but more than anything else, it's actually stepping into like your full power because you go, I can control all of this. And that's where I think it really... Someone's life starts to change at that point,
1: so when your mentor, I guess, said that to you, was it like an instantaneous oh, crap, I need a change.
2: yeah. It was like, oh shit. like i don't I don't want my life to be this way. like if 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 my life becomes what it could become, it's all my fault. Like in at that moment, all of my fears, I was still young and in sales, and you know, I was only nineteen, about to be twenty years old. it was it was like my entire life shifted because I went okay, that's, I'm completely in control now. And I can't blame anybody else. So I can't show up to my phone calls with him every single week and be like, oh yeah, I didn't make my phone calls because of this. And, you know, basically like the dog ate my homework type stuff. It's like, he's not going to listen to my bullshit, which is the best part about having a, a really great coach or mentor. He's not going to listen to my bullshit. He's going to call me out on it. And, um, and at that point in time, I was like, wow, now I realize I think my, I think what really happened is I had fears of like people judging me and people's opinions and rejection and failure. And at that point in time, it was like my biggest fear turned into getting to the end of my life, wishing I would have done something different, like Mm -hmm. having regrets. Like my biggest fear is getting to the, my life and having a regret of, I wish I would have impacted more lives or put more effort into helping people or done something more for other people. And that's why I'm not afraid to put out content. That's why I'm not afraid to put out videos and have haters and all that stuff. Is because ultimately, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is is doing as much as I can while I'm here. Mm-hmm. You put out some very informative and very wise
1: advice. So for those you. people that actually haven't listened to you, like it makes a lot of sense. Thank Especially you. Especially for those people that want to know their worth or their purpose. And I want to second the what you just said. Mm-hmm. instantaneous thing for those people that are listening. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. take much more than that. It's like mm-hmm. a light bulb moment. And I had one of those moments in 2019, same deal. It was like, but it was a question. It was like, why do I want to work in a place that I thought I wanted to work in? But really there was so much more to it than that. Like mm-hmm. the light bulb went off. And that's when I started thinking more and more and more. And that's all it takes. And I always, um, have a, a mini analogy my audience knows this I like harp on it a lot but it's very very important like you know with sales repetition 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 mm-hmm. I call it the cap method so what c stands for is choice a stands mm-hmm. for acceptance which you touched on quite brilliantly and then p stands for persistence which then leads on to my number one saying which is be persistent to remain consistent of the things that you want Mm-hmm. and what most people do in life is they make the choice consistently to be the victim they they've accepted it in their life and they're persistently doing it they're telling themselves that they're no good they never amount to anything they're allowing the trauma to build and build and build and then what does it do it just collapses you and then you end up depressed and anxious and all these other forms i know because i went through it yeah until we finally have that realization moment it's for some people that might be later on down the track for for those people it could be now I hope it's now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but once you do realize it, you can reverse engineer that. So you make the choice to accept that you don't have to stay in that current reality. You can Mm -hmm. become better. You can. And how do you do it? You be persistent at all the good things, all the positive things in your life. And it's kind of like putting a metaphorical cap on all the negative and, and the only limit to how tight it can be is you. So keep tightening it.
2: Yep. I love it, man. And that's, What most people don't realize is that they, when you go back into the persistent part of it, is that the persistent and the things that they don't want versus the things they do want. And if you just flip the narrative to everything that you do want is where your life starts to change. 100%, man. Like,
1: I don't think a lot of people actually realize that they are persistently doing the wrong thing in the first place. So I think it comes back to that understanding and that realization moment. And then you can actually do the work. It is hard work, don't get me wrong. I mean, you've probably been there too, but mm-hmm. it is the most worthwhile work you can ever do. Like being in of service to you first, knowing getting that all right, and then working on I guess helping somebody else. Like once right. you know, then you're right. It like manifests, man. Like it, it just like a flow on effect, I call mm-hmm. it. Um, so going back more to your story and you mentioned there at nineteen you were working for for some company. Mm-hmm. Firstly, why that company in the first place? And what did you want to be when you grew up? Was it anything close to
2: what you were doing? So, yeah. So at 19, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be in business. I was a business major at the time. Um, so it was a sales company. We sold knives basically door to door In is the easiest way to explain it. We sold them in-home presentations and, uh, and really what it was, if I'm being honest with you, it was the opportunity to finally make money. Like I was, we were poor when I was raised. We didn't have any money. And I saw this as, oh man, I could get in the sales job and I could actually I could actually make some money. They had people that were coming in that were 19, 20, 21 years old and they were making $500, $1,000, $2,000 paychecks in a week. I was like, holy crap, I've never even had that much in my bank account. And so for me, it was like the opportunity to get out of the position that I was in. What I didn't realize is the thing that was really amazing about working there was that they were really big on personal development. So I didn't read any books before I started that company. I wasn't a good student. I didn't care about, you know, any of that stuff. And then I got into there and I realized, oh my gosh, like I can actually change my life if I focus on changing myself. Like the most important thing in the world, if I want to change my life is to change myself. And so I started to get, you know, I've read my, my mentor told me to read, uh, the book was the first book I read was the five major pieces of the life puzzle by Jim Rome. And I read a super short book and I still have it And almost the entire book is highlighted. I was like, Oh my God, this is, this makes so much, this makes so much sense. This makes so much, sense. super simple book. And I read it and I was like, this book is incredible. And it kind of got me addicted where like, I never read a book before then unless I had to for school. And then I just started reading like crazy. I'm not a fast reader. I'm not a great reader. I don't even enjoy reading that much, but I do enjoy learning more than I hate reading and so what happened was for me, I just got into it and they, they're just really big on personal development. I was like, okay, I'm a very competitive person. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna focus on growing myself and selling more than everybody else. And those are like my two buckets that I tried to fill. And what's interesting is that the more that I grew myself, the more I sold. And it was like the easier it became to become successful, you could say. So, um, so then what happened was I got promoted in the company and within a year and a half, I was running my own office. And uh, I was working there, did a really good job. Um, we ended up being at one point in time, the number one company in the office out 741 of com- 741 offices, did really well. And then I left because I just burnt myself out. I was over it. I hit number one. I got everything I wanted to. I wanted to do something different. And I left and went into some corporate sales and all of that stuff. And then what I realized was I just wasn't fulfilled. Like What I loved most about that was not selling. It was actually teaching people. And what it was that really, I loved more than anything else was teaching people the stuff that changed my life and what made me better. And, you know, we used to do team meetings twice a week and I loved the team meetings and I loved having morning meetings and I just loved being in front of people and speaking. And when I left it, there was like a big hole for me. And then is when I identified, Oh my God, like, this is what I actually love doing. Like, I love teaching people. And, um, you know, I feel like I have a strength of taking really complex topics and making them really easy to understand for everybody. And, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start a podcast and, uh, decided to start a podcast. I was, um, I opened, uh, started the podcast in August of 2015. And, uh, and then I just, I just started teaching the same stuff that I was teaching my sales reps years before. And people started connecting with it and it started growing and you know, it was crazy because you said we did a million downloads the first year, which I remember I was super excited about. And now it's like we're doing a million downloads a week, which is just like mind blowing for me to think of these things. And and I said this to my girlfriend. We were driving back two nights ago. We went to dinner with friends in town. And I was like, it's just crazy for me to see what the podcast has become and like what the business has become. And she's like, it's not crazy to me. And I was like, really? And she's like, I've seen you work your ass off for five and a half years. Like I've seen what you've done. And I've seen how people connect to the message and how passionate she's like, I'm not surprised in any sort of way. I was like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy to think about. Like, I just, I don't even, to me, I'm like, this is bigger and better and more fulfilling than anything that I could have ever possibly imagined. Mm. And so it's only getting bigger and better, which is crazy. I'm already playing on house money. So I'm just continuing to just ride this thing and see what happens. You know, that's, it's, it's all, it's all gravy for me.
1: I'm excited for you, man. Excited to see where you go next. And I think you mentioned, Earlier, you're working on a book. Can't wait to get my hands on a, on a copy mm-hmm. of that book. I think yeah. it'll be a bestseller for sure. Yeah. Um, but I can relate to your, your story in, in many ways, man, like especially the sales aspect. Like mm-hmm. that same thing almost happened to me, right? I was in real estate selling up a storm, you could say, mm-hmm. very good at it, a lot of potential, that it all came to an end. Mm-hmm. But then that helped me realize what I'm doing today, trying to help people like yourself, Rob, realize that they are worth something through stories. Your story, other people's stories, you mm-hmm. know, even even my own in, in part, if I can if I can do that. I don't want to make this all about me. Yep. But going back to you for a moment, when you first started your podcast in 2015, just a few more questions if you don't mm-hmm. mind. But yeah, yeah, let's go. I'm good. 2015. I was still, I was graduating that year, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, but how did you go about marketing your podcast? Because it was fairly new. Okay? Mm-hmm. So many other podcasts on the scene. You got Lewis Howe's, you got Joe Rogan's, you got all these other ones. How did you go about standing out amongst the crowd?
2: So, for me, the, the thing that's super important, and I had someone ask me this last week as well is I wanted to do exactly what I felt I wanted to do. So a lot of people when I first started podcasts were were making podcasts because they felt like it was something that was the thing to do. And what's interesting about it is, is it is now even more of the thing to do than it was back then. But what it was when I first started was it was like these hour to two hour long entrepreneur podcast interviews. And it was most almost all entrepreneurs. That's all that it was let's sit down I'll interview you me you interview and it was the same people all over and i was like all right what do i want to talk about and i kind of got very clear on what i wanted to do and then i got clear on how long do i want my podcast to be do i want it to be with somebody else do i want it to be by myself do i want it to be long form do i want it to be short form what do i want to talk about and i got really clear on what i wanted to do which i think was important um because now when you look back i'm almost 900 episodes deep in my podcast And people are like, holy shit, that's so many episodes. I'm like, yeah, it is, but it doesn't feel like it because it hasn't really felt like work for me because I set it up from the beginning to be what I wanted it to be, right? Like if I were to interview 900 people, I feel like for me, it would be way more exhausting to interview (laughs) 900 people, just as me personally. Some people love that because they can have other people answer the questions. They can get really good at asking questions. But for me, I was like, what do I want to do? I want to talk about mindset. I want to talk about life. I want to talk about how to overcome obstacles, how to fix your, you know, traumas in your past relationship issues with your parents, any of that type of stuff. And I was like, what do I, and at that point in time I still had a, a job I was driving to work and there's probably about 20, 25 minutes to work. And one thing that would drive me crazy is I would start listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast and I would get like one quarter of the way through if I was lucky on my drive to work. And I was like, I just want to, there there was no resolve when I showed up at at work. I was like, I want this shit to just be done. Like I want to, I want to get my takeaways and I want to be good. But Mm. now I'm like, Oh God, I got to get out of here. I want to go listen to that podcast episode and finish it. Cause I'm, I have to finish things. Like I don't even open a bag of candy. Cause if I do, I have to crush the entire bag of candy. Like I'm a finisher. That's what I, that's just who I am. So, so I was like, okay, what if I were to just do me speaking? Cause I love teaching. And what if I were to just do, instead of one hour-long podcast episode every single week, what if I just did three short 15 to 20-minute ones? It's still the same amount of recording, but I'm putting out more value. And at the same time, I'm putting out three episodes. And for me, I feel like it's short it's to the point. That's exactly how I am. Like, I'm very no bullshit. I'm just go straight to the point, tell you exactly how it is. And so I set up my podcast to be me. That's, that's kind of what it is. Be, I wanted it to be the most natural form of who I am. And, and it, it really was for the longest time. And then I realized that I wasn't cussing and I love cussing. I do like, I won't lie. And one of the things that held me back from cussing, like I was kind of cussing every once in a while, but one of the things that held me back is that I would get messages from people and they'd be like, Oh, I listened to you on the drive with my kids. And I'm like, Oh man, I can't cuss because i the kids and all that stuff. And then about 650 around 650 episodes I put out an episode and I was like, "Hey, if you have kids and you don't want to hear have them hear me cuss, there's 650 episodes for you. But from now on, I'm going to step into being my true authentic version of myself and this is the last thing holding me back is that I want to cuss. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, this isn't the podcast for you." And so it was just another layer of who I truly am. And um for me it was just like that's the the that's what I give everybody is People are like, how do I start a podcast, all of this stuff? And it's like, number one, don't just start it because you want your business to grow or because you want to be famous or because you hope people listen to you so that you feel better about yourself. Like do something that you actually truly want to do. And it's stereotypical and cliche as the phrase sounds where it's like, hey, you know, do something you love, you never work a day in your life stereotypes and, or, and cliches are, are that way because they're true. Like cliches are cliches because they're true. That's why they continue to stay. And so it's like, I don't feel like I've had to work to create 900 episodes. It's just been something that I love to do. And um, there's been times, you know, when I first started it where I was like, oh shit, I got to have a podcast episode up tonight. It's 1130 at night. My girlfriend would hear me go to the the studio and just record till midnight. And she's like, this guy's a machine. I'm like, I'm not really a machine. I just love doing what this is. And it it creates me to seem like a machine because it doesn't feel like work.
1: Mm. Mate, like I've interviewed probably, I don't even know the number now. It's well over 500 people in this wow. space. I just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And it really like, it weighs you down mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally because mm-hmm. you're constantly asking concentration, being present, Right. thinking of questions research the whole bit So I understand from that perspective from the other perspective I tried doing the the talking didn't yeah. work <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no nah, this is not this is not happening yeah. for me because like, I get yeah. lost in in different thoughts so yeah. I, I appreciate everybody that has that ability to, I guess, speak by themselves. I love being able to like go back and forth with guests, but maybe mm-hmm. by myself, it's so hard. I'm doing like 10, 12, 15 takes sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not doing this.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, man. And that's the thing is it's like, and that's what's beautiful is like, you have found the thing that you're good at and that you enjoy more. I found the thing that I'm good at and I enjoy more. And it's like, one of the things I think people have a lot of, str- when you really start struggling is when you're trying to fit yourself into a box that you don't, you don't fit in. you like, it's not your thing, right? Like if if you tried to fit in, you tried to force yourself to do 30 minute episodes of you just talking and it wasn't something that you're going to, you're going to be like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And you are going to lose your, it's not going to be a passion for you anymore. And Mm. so it's like, I think for everybody, they need to just figure out what it is that they truly want to do and go with that thing.
1: Mm. What would you say, man, out of everything you've ever done is your greatest achievement and
2: why? Um, The thing that really kind of hit me the most is when I realized uh, that I had gotten to a billion views on Facebook. So with Facebook videos, because I was like, "Wow, that's that's a a, a, like a billion is a thousand million. Like that's you know, like everybody knows that, but when you sit down and actually think it, you're like, damn, that's a lot. It's a lot of sets of eyes. That's a lot of people who have been positively impacted in some sort of way. And so it's kind of like You know, like the phrase. I think it's. uh, um, I don't remember who it was, but he basically says like trying to dent the universe. You know, and um, yeah, for me it was always just like that. That seems like a little bit of a dent that I put into it. And then now, the podcast has just been like incredible for me. So it's it was doing really well for a long time, and then I like really was like I'm gonna focus hardcore on this thing. And uh, after about four years in really about three and a half years. I really focus hardcore on like growing it and to see what it's become um, is like mind blowing to me, you know, to go from averaging about one to 1.2 million uh, downloads a year to getting close to a million a month, a million a week, which is just like mind blowing. And I'm like, man, what could it, what, what is, what could it be next? What's it going to be? What's the next step for it? So for me, man, it's like, all of the stuff that I try to do and all of the stuff that really makes me the most fulfilled is when I know I'm impacting other people. And so those two stats for me are like, what's cool about it is there's there, there are numbers and figures and digits on a screen. But really what it is, is there's actually like people's eyes and hearts that are actually seeing this. And that, that's what makes me feel good about what I do.
1: You're kind of making me jealous a little bit there, man. If I can say this by all the numbers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, you're at the level that I, I wish to be at, not because of the yeah. fame, not because of the money and the notoriety, but because of that, the impact because of the hearts and the yep. minds of those people. So yep. congratulations yes. on on everything. If
2: you, if you don't stop, you'll get there. That's the thing, man. That's what I always tell people. People just give up too soon. You know, it's, it's like it was doing well for a while. And then it just took a tipping point. Everything hits a tipping point. Like I, I remember reading the book tipping point. I remember like, Oh, that'd be cool to find the tipping point. And then both of them, Facebook and then the podcast, it took years and years and years and years and years of just like putting my head down and doing it and being stubborn to the fact that it's going to work when I didn't, other people told me they didn't think it was going to work. And they hit this tipping point where it was like, even my friends, I could see that they knew the tipping point. Cause they're like, Holy shit, this is, this is outgrowing you in a massive way to the point where I have to, I, you know, I have, uh, I have 14 people on my team now. We're like, I have to, I don't, it can't just be me anymore. It's grown to a massive scale. And so, but it only come, it came because like I just, I don't stop. That's the only thing. Like I'm, I'm going to, my thing is that I'm really big on is that I, if I decide I'm going to do something, I'm very, I'm very slow to decide I'm going to do something because if I decide I'm going to do something, I won't stop. And I have to be extremely dedicated to not stop. And so that was the thing for me. It was like, if I'm gonna create these Facebook videos, I'm not gonna stop until I figure out how to how to become really good at it. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna do podcast episodes, I'm not gonna stop. And if you just don't stop, it kind of clicks at some point. And that's the tipping point where it kind of falls over and the numbers just get to these extreme amounts that are just, I mean, even even the people who run my podcast like run my podcasts and help with the advertising and stuff are like these numbers are crazy like the growth of it is bigger than any show. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'm not paying anybody to do anything. It's just, it ends up being organically growing. And that's, I'm just, just grateful, man. I'm just grateful that it's become what it, what it's become.
1: Patience and persistence. That's wow. right, dude. Two quick final questions for you, Rob, if you don't mind. So oh, sure. this is my all time favorite question that I ask everyone at the end. So it's a hypothetical one, but I want you to use your imagination with me for a moment. So imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. Your friends have all decided to put together a highlight film or a film, whichever one you want, of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Then ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of an Mm -hmm. argument. And Mm -hmm. they've been able to show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show
2: about your life? Uh, that he did everything that he could to help remove people from their own suffering. That's it. I feel like people create their own suffering and they don't realize it. You know, pain pain is, a, is inevitable. You won't go through this life without any scars, but suffering is optional. And most people don't realize that. And so my job and what I try to do is I try to help people, number one, wake them up to the fact that pain is inevitable. Suffering is an option. And uh, number two, try to help them remove themselves from that suffering that they've created.
1: I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it, man. Uh, My final question for you. This is uh, more of a fun question because we've been rather serious for the most part. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: what would you say has been the weirdest food combination you've ever tried and you like?
2: Oh, um, what I really love, which will sound weird to people who haven't had it, but if you've had it, it's amazing is uh melon and prosciutto which is uh cantaloupe and prosciutto on top of it which i remember we my girlfriend and i travel italy a lot and it's incredible cuz it's like sweet and salty but a cantaloupe with prosciutto which is you know cured ham on top of it man it's so good uh there was we were traveling for 6 months throughout you know, it was about four months, three and a half months that we were in Italy. And she was like, let's try this. I've heard it's good. Let's try it. So it. it's good. I was like, that sounds disgusting. There's no way. Like, I'm not going to have a piece of meat on top of a piece of fruit. Like that doesn't make any sense in any, in any world. Does that make sense? And then I had it and I was like, oh shit, this is really good. And so every time that we go over to Italy, it's literally like melon and prosciutto is, is most meals, uh, is when we have, uh, we have that.
1: Well, how about that, man? I, I love prosciutto. Haven't yep. tried the cantaloupe yet. Yeah. Um, but I might, I might have to now.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll add it, so
1: good. add it to my list, dude. But um,
2: melon and prosciutto, it's like an Italian thing. They love it over there.
1: Yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> especially the prosciutto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but Rob, man, thank you so much for your time. I, I really for have for enjoyed sure. this conversation and all the wisdom that you passed on. So really appreciate it. Where can people find you, connect with you, and learn more about you?
2: Yeah, I would say if they're listening to this on a podcast, then obviously they can listen to my podcast if they want. It's called the mindset mentor. Uh, We have episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday now. So we added it used to just be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now we have a Thursday episode. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to put out as much content as I possibly can. So any way I can help people if they have you know, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I'm just Rob Dial on all of those, R-O-B-D-I-A-L. And that's it, man. Just Rob Dial and the Mindset Mentor, that's me.
1: Dial him up, people. He's not that hard to find. (laughs) That's
2: right. I'm everywhere, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, 100%, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast, man. Of course, man. Thank you. don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today it is my prayer that you would have felt inspired motivated challenged in some way and that you would have learned something new as well if you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms it is that easy And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Box. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.